0: We live in a divided world, divided religiously, politically, and economically. Oftentimes in our world, we want to run away from tough conversations that divide us about grief, pain, and loss. We want to avoid topics like shame, guilt, and pride. We'd rather escape to our phones instead of engaging in real conversations. I know this because I do this so I created the Winter Faith Podcast. The Winter Faith Podcast is focused on creating conversations to promote spiritual and emotional growth through faith, apathy, and everything in between. So, let's talk to each other, yet more importantly, let's listen to each other. Let's continue the conversation. My name is Andy, and I have Winter Faith.
1: Hearing that sounded like a trial Georgia prosecutors summed up their case against three white men accused of killing a 25 year old black man running through their neighborhood on February the 23rd of 2020 victim Ahmaud Aubrey was chased hunted down and ultimately executed at the hands of these men the three defendants Gregory McMichael and his son Travis and William Roddy Bryan jr. appeared via video link for the county jail The McMichaels initially told authorities they thought Arbery was a burglary suspect. The prosecution, says Arbery, had done nothing wrong. The fact of the matter is that there's um, no evidence that these defendants saw a burglary, saw any crime, had any subjective belief or even a hunch by these civilians that would authorize their choices that they made to chase after and ultimately gun down this unarmed victim in the middle of the street. In fact, Arbery was out jogging the day he died. Friends say it's what he loved to do. Prosecutors detailed the events leading up to Arbery's death, saying all three men using two pickup trucks became a neighborhood hunting party, blocking and redirecting Arbery as he tried to flee. Before they finally cornered him, one of the suspects captured Arbery's final moments on cell phone video. On the witness stand, the lead investigator in the case said 34-year-old Travis McMichael admitted to the first officers on the scene he deliberately shot Aubrey three times with a shotgun. Then agent Richard Dial shocked the courtroom recounting what alleged co-conspirator William Bryan says Travis McMichael said next. Mr. Bryan said that after the shooting took place before police arrival while Mr. Aubrey was on the ground
0: that he heard Travis Michael make the statement. Ahmad Arbery. Ahmad Arbery. Ahmad Arbery went out for a run. I have been white my whole life. I grew up in Wisconsin in the 90s, Farmington Road, Winnebago County, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. 95% white. I'm very white, and I'm on this journey of learning about my faith and my whiteness has been a part of this journey. I started to recognize my whiteness in 2014 when I worked at a bank with four black women. They became my friends. I was known as white boy Andy, and they let me ask questions, they let me listen, and they also listened and asked me questions, and we connected. I learned that um, I dress very white, my music is very white, uh, my shoes are very white. Anyway, I had been a runner all my life, cross country and track in high school. My uh, sister, my father, we grew up running together. Lately, I'm a little bit out of shape, but I do go for a run every once in a while so the story of two white men or three white men in two pickup trucks chasing Ahmad Aubrey down a street during the middle of the day had to be so frightening um he just Ahmaud Aubrey just went out for a run he just went out for a run And I can't help but just realize I go out for runs all the time, and that has never, ever been my experience. And when I think about Ahmad going out for a run, I'm sure that's what he thought, too. He's just going out for a run. I can't, I can't, I can't even imagine going out for a run and being killed. Going out for a run and never coming home, going out for a run, and never coming back. Um, I have little fear. I have little fear of um, the police, of of other people, but I just can't imagine what it was like for him. I just feel him just going out for a run, and having two pickup trucks chase you down. Just how scary that must have been. 25 year old young black man. Um, I don't know what it's like to be, um, to have black skin, to have brown skin. Um, as a white man, I've had privilege, I've had power um, in this nation. Um, people judge me a certain way because of my whiteness, good and bad. And I must admit this. I must admit that there's been white privilege um, given to me. And that doesn't mean anything other than what I'm saying by that is there is an advantage in our country to having white skin. Being black and brown in this country is a disadvantage. And I I feel guilt. I feel shame um, sometimes. But the first thing about dealing with guilt and shame, as I talked about on this podcast, is acceptance. Going out for a run and not coming home. Going out for a run and not coming back. Just like his friends had watched him go out for runs before, and he had gone out for runs before. That's what he loved to do. That's what he loved to do. I can listen and I can share. I can talk. I can use my voice But ultimately, I want to listen to black and brown voices. If black and brown voices say um, that they're feeling unsafe, I want to listen to them. If they're saying they're fearful, I want to listen to them because I can listen. I can vote uh, for black and brown candidates. I can listen to black and brown candidates when I look at. um, I can research and learn. In 19, I'm sorry, in 1619, this nation's first slave was John Punch. In the 1950s, uh, white people would gra- gather in crowds and watch a black man being lynched. A place that is close to me, Memphis, Tennessee, in 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated and left for dead. In 1968, mass incarceration has been a big problem in this country. Um, I work with black and brown um, men who have been in prison a long time for what I would consider very minor offenses. Um, the war on drugs, mass incarceration. I've I just I hear the stories of the men I work with and just how unjustly they've been treated. I can listen to black voices i can do research i can learn and i can grow i will never run 2.2 miles the same i will never go out for the for a run and feel the same um what ahmaud aubrey faced i've never faced before and i even have had friends that feel so um, Connected by that story going out for runs. I think the running community is affected by by this I'll never run 2.2 miles again and feel the same. I'll never go out for a run again and feel the same Um, I don't know the pain and suffering of being black I don't know what it's like to be a black man or a black woman, but I can listen I Can listen I can listen to their stories I can learn And I will stand for black lives. I do think black lives matter. I think that black lives have inherently the same value as white lives to God, but the educational system, the banking system, the healthcare system, and the church have failed black and brown voices in my in my experience, just from my experience of those places that I have worked, black and brown voices are not treated with the same dignity. They're not treated with the same dignity. And I just, I just believe that God thinks the inherent value of white and black lives are uh, the same. And I want to fight for equity. I want to fight for um, what I think is right. And this must change now. Thank you. If you want to support uh, the Winter Faith Podcast, support um, my family, um, I just want people to know up front that I will um, be donating um, some of my support to organizations that I care about, like I just want people to know that um, up front. If you want to support the show, leave a review on iTunes. Share uh, the podcast on your social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Winter Faith You can subscribe to the Patreon page for as little as $1 a month. Um, thank you. Ahmaud Arbery.